Hi and welcome to the latest Ancient Egypt news from the fourth week of February. Egypt has expressed its appreciation for the decision of the African Union Executive Council to support the nomination of Dr. Khaled El Anani, Egypt's candidate for the position of Director General of UNESCO. The decision, made at the Council's 44th session in Addis Ababa on February the 14th and 15th, reflects the strong backing of the Egyptian candidate by the Arab and African groups, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs said in a statement. Dr. Khaled El Anani, the former Minister of Tourism and Antiquities, was endorsed by the Arab League's Ministerial Council last September as the Arab candidate for the UNESCO top job for the term 2025 to 2029. Dr. El Anani, who holds a PhD in Egyptology, has a distinguished career in academia, research and public service. He's a professor of tourism guidance at the Helwan University College of Tourism and Hotel Management and has been involved in various projects and missions of the French Institute of Oriental Archaeology in Cairo. He also oversaw the National Museum of Egyptian Civilization and the Egyptian Museum in Cairo during his tenure as Minister of Antiquities. The UNESCO elections are expected to take place at the agency's headquarters in Paris in 2025. Egyptology mourns the death of a great scholar. Jan Asman passed away at the age of 85. For the last six decades, he had inspired with his research and writings, especially the fields of ancient Egyptian religion and funerary beliefs. Again and again, Asman demonstrated the significance of the study of memory in ancient civilizations for our efforts to understand modern memory processes, a legacy that the MSA working group Memories of Antiquity is taking up. Aspen's religion and cultural memory is, for example, a treasure trove not only for the insights it provides into diverse ancient memory practices, but also for its authoritative discussion of the memory theories of Halbwachs, Warburg and Freud. And Moses the Egyptian remains unsurpassed in the way it follows a memory trace across a time span of more than 3,000 years. Last but not least, as an Egyptologist, Jan Asman was also engaged in a dialogue with different academic disciplines. He communicated his findings clearly and inspiringly across the humanities and the social sciences. He exemplified the pursuit of memory studies as a rigorously interdisciplinary endeavour. His numerous books will continue to guide students of Egyptology and he will be greatly missed. Evidence dating back to 238 BCE shows that ancient Egyptians recognised the need for a leap year to correct the slow drift of the seasons. Every four years we add an extra day to the calendar to account for the solar year being roughly 365 and a quarter days, rather than around 365. But how long has the leap year actually been around? At least 2,262 years, according to a spectacular find from the Egyptian desert. The Tanis Stela is a limestone slab more than seven feet tall and nearly three feet wide that was discovered in 1866 by a group of German scholars visiting the site of the ancient Egyptian city of Tanis in the Nile Delta. Like the more famous Rosetta Stone, it bears an inscription in two languages, Egyptian, written in both hieroglyphs and Demotic, and Ancient Greek. The inscription, dated to 238 BCE, records the decree of Pharaoh Ptolemy III that follows the standard of the time, including praise for the Pharaoh, a description of military campaigns, and the stipulation that a copy of the decree should be erected in every major temple. What is entirely original about this decree, known as the Canopus Decree, for the ancient Egyptian city it was issued in, are its instructions regarding the calendar. 
and so that the seasons should always correspond to the established order of the universe and that it should not happen that some of the public festivals which take place in winter are celebrated in summer as the sun changes by one day in the course of four years it was resolved to add from now onwards one festival day in honor of the gods every four years to the five additional days before the new year so that all may now know that the former defect in the arrangement of the seasons the first references to a 365-day calendar which specify a year of 12 30-day months and five epigominal days added to the calendar to make it approximately equal to the solar year are found in the records of egypt's fourth and fifth dynasties around 2600 BCE, according to Adrian Almasi-Martin, an Egyptologist at the University of Oxford. The inaccuracy this introduces is sufficient to cause a slow drift of the seasons through the calendar. The ancient Egyptians noticed a celestial coincidence that occurred annually at the same time as the flooding of the Nile. The appearance of Sirius, the brightest star in the sky. In the same way that some constellations are not visible all year, Sirius was not visible to the ancient Egyptians for the same 70 contiguous days of every year because it was too close to the sun. Annually after this absence Sirius would reappear on the eastern horizon in the dawn sky, rising close to and just before the sun, a phenomenon known as heliacal rising. Egyptian civilization depended upon the Nile floods to bring the rich silt that fertilized its farmlands. The reappearance of Sirius, linked as it was to the crucial Nile inundation, and which also occurred at the summer solstice, was keenly observed and heralded the beginning of the ancient Egyptian New Year. By measuring the elapsed time between each annual heliacal rising of Sirius, astronomers eventually realized the solar year was a quarter day longer than 365 days. While this realization likely happened earlier in history, the Canopus Decree of 238 BCE is our earliest recorded evidence for the leap year. Multiple copies of the Canopus Decree would have existed in ancient times according to Almasi Martin, and six complete or fragmented versions of the decree have survived to this day. The two best preserved examples from Tanis in 1866 and the city of Qom el-Hissen in 1881 are in the Egyptian Museum in Cairo. While they were discovered after the decipherment of the Rosetta Stone in 1822, the better preserved examples of the Canopus Decree feature a greater number of hieroglyphs, and their study ended all remaining doubt about the Rosetta's decipherment. For this reason, their inscription is considered second only to the Rosetta's insignificance for understanding ancient Egyptian. We know Ptolemy III's directive in the Canopus Decree to add an additional day to the calendar every four years was ultimately unsuccessful, but not when or why his directions were ignored. It's possible the priests controlling the calendar didn't want to change their traditions, or perhaps they thought the drift of the season through the calendar was unnoticeable within a typical 40-year lifetime. What we do know is that when the Romans annexed Egypt in 30 BCE, the Egyptians were again using a 365-day calendar, and by 22 BCE, a few years after the Egyptian-inspired Julian calendar had been implemented in Rome, the Emperor Augustus had reintroduced the leap day back to the Egyptians. And finally, it's that time of year when tourists flock to Abu Simbel Temple to witness the solar phenomenon when the rays of the morning sun reach the innermost shrine of the great temple and illuminate the inner statues. About 4,100 foreign tourists saw the sun light up the face of Ramesses II while leaving the statue of Ptah in darkness. The phenomenon began at 6.22am and lasted for 20 minutes. 
During the solar alignment, the sun's rays enter the temple's sanctum to light three of four statues which belong to King Ramses II and the deities Amun-Ra and Raharakti, leaving the god of darkness, Ptah, in shadow to symbolize his connection to the underworld. Folklore troops performed songs and dances wearing traditional costumes during a celebration that took place the night before and extended towards the sunrise of the Solar Alignment Day. And that's it for this week. This news podcast is brought to you by Ted Laux and GNT Tours. For information on our December tour, please visit our website at gnttours.co.za. There's a link in the show notes. Follow us on Facebook, X, Threads or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this episode. Please feel free to comment and share. Until next time, thanks again. Cheers. Bye-bye.